Wake up, sleepyheads. It's party time! This is the old nukester coming at you right here on this fine, fine Rocktober morning. It's the sweeping sensation that's sweeping the nation, and I'm going to do it to you right here, right now. Wow! On the Filmgasm Podcast with Josh Allred and Connor Zagari. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Oh, you like that sound, don't you? It's a little different this time around, huh? Welcome to this rockin' edition of the Filmgasm podcast as we dust off the gem that is 1986's Trick or Treat, starring Mark Price as Eddie Weinbauer, a.k.a. Ragman, and Tony Fields as resurrected shock rocker Sammy Kerr. Uh, incidentally, this is also uh, the 35th anniversary of uh, the film's release this year. Uh, it was released October 24th, 1986. And with the film set on Halloween, it was a no-brainer for me to pick this uh, for my pick during the cycle of shows. Um, Connor, I want to get your impressions right now of how you enjoyed Trick or Treat. This was not what I expected. That's for sure. I um, <laughs> I was not expecting a fucking heavy metal kind of horror comedy. Uh, it was interesting. Um, I uh, I liked a lot of things about it. I I thought it was going to go way harder. I was actually kind of surprised at how tame it was. Uh, but Sammy Kerr is fucking awesome. I, I'm, I'm not going to props, you know, I'll give props where it's due. Um, the soundtrack too. Holy shit. Uh, some incredible tracks from uh, what's the name of the, the fast way. Fast way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They fucking killed it. Uh, yeah. Overall, you know, not terrible, which is high praise coming from me. <laughs> yeah, no. I, so like, this is, this is one of these movies that it's, um, it came around right a, right during the heyday basically of like rock and roll horror movies and i mean going back as early as like and this is all 80s movies i'm going to be talking about is like rocktober blood came out in 84 black roses was 89 and you had rock and roll nightmare slaughterhouse rock like are you starting to notice a trend with some of these like if it's got rock in the title you know they're gonna find a way to make a movie about it um Another reason why I picked this was because it was shot in my hometown of Wilmington, North Carolina. And it's, uh, it was also made by a person we have talked about more than once on the Filmgasm podcast. I know I have especially uh, Dino De Laurentiis and his uh, De Laurentiis Entertainment Group. They were the ones that uh, distributed and also used um, Dino's studio to shoot some uh, some parts of the film in. And at the same time that this movie was being shot, a little a little movie called Maximum Overdrive, directed by some guy named Stephen King, was uh, being made. And I don't know if you've ever heard of him. This guy David Lynch. He uh, he was also shooting uh, Blue Velvet at the same time. So if it was in the 80s and it was in Wilmington, Dino De Laurentiis had his hands on it. And that just 
just to kind of give you an idea of what was going on in that town at the time to have something like this come around. And for me, it's probably my favorite out of all of these weird, like rock and roll, heavy metal horror movies. Um, mostly for me, at least because of the character of Eddie, AKA Ragman and how much he embodies the outcast, the, the loner, the, the kid that gets picked on because he looks so different from everybody else. And I absolutely identified with that. I was, I went to high school in the middle of nowhere where if you listen to anything that wasn't country music, you were a weirdo. So obviously I gravitated to the other weirdos. I hung out with a lot of kids in the, in the art classes. Uh, you know, I, I, I learned a lot about myself in those very formative years when I was like 14 and 15 hanging out with all the other older weirder kids and they're showing me like tool uh, what else the deftones was something I got exposed to in high school so stuff like that was just thrown at me I mean I had kind of had a little bit of a background you know my dad listened to ACDC Black Sabbath that kind of stuff so I was already right there in the thick of it but you don't, you kind of don't know how much you appreciate that kind of thing until you find other people your age that like it too. Yeah, that's true. I'm a, you know, I grew up in, with rock and roll. I grew up kind of liking my own thing. I grew up in a very small conservative town in Maryland where, you know, like country music was big up there. Um, not a lot of people were into movies and I kind of just had to, you know, Roll, you know, move the beat of my own drum, so to speak. But I've always, I've always done that anyway. You know, I've always liked what I've liked, and I, I did like that. Eddie didn't compromise. He was just like, I like metal, and fuck you anyway. Like if you, you know, leave me alone. <laughs> I like what I like. Um, props. I like that. Yeah, totally. Um, even the way this movie starts out, it's kind of like, it's kind of giving you a really a really great way of showing who this kid is as they're like going through his room and you're seeing all these posters of all these bands like Anthrax, Judas Priest. And then, you know, right above his bed, ominously looking over him is Sammy Kerr. And it's like, who, because at that point, you don't know who he is. You're just like, who the fuck is this guy? And he's writing a letter to him, which definitely gives the impression that he's done this a lot. Like he, like, this is the one person that he communicates with on the regular. And I think it's also very, uh, very reminiscent of the times, you know, like people would do this kind of stuff. Um, and he looks up to him as a hometown hero because he found a way to, to get out of there and to make something of himself. And he, he very much idolizes him and he, he eventually learns that he probably shouldn't have, because he didn't really know him and he was given fair warning um, by wonderful, by a wonderful cameo from Gene Simmons as nuke the local radio DJ. Um, <clears throat> like had you, had you ever heard of this before I brought it up? <laughs> no, like so many of the movies you bring to this show. No. <laughs> All right. No, that's, it's a fair, it's a fair point. Um, I will, um, I will take this moment to acknowledge um, two people who 
really go above and beyond when it comes to um, doing like fanzines. So I don't know if you're, if you're aware of that phenomena. Um, a lot of that stuff kind of existed back in like early punk rock days. Um, people that really enjoyed bands and music and stuff, they would make their own DIY magazines called zines for short. And they would, you know, hand them out. Kids would get in, you know, people would trade tapes, like do anything and everything. Um, and the two people that I'm going to mention right now, uh, Jennifer and Jason Manriquez uh, of Patty Jack Press put together this sweet, sweet Joe Bob edition deep dive on trick or treat ah. that I picked up last year. Um, it's got a lot of history about the production. It's got a lot of history about the actors themselves, uh, especially Tony Fields, who plays Sammy Kerr and does a phenomenal job. Uh, there's a nice little, little anecdote I'll, uh, I'll give you uh, as far as uh, the quote unquote research he did uh, in order to, uh, to get into the role, uh, which is very funny. Um, they don't have this version anymore for sale on their site. However, they do still have a deep dive version, which is essentially the same thing. There's just a couple of pages that were uh, Joe Bob specific that they did not put in their regular deep dive edition. So anybody out there that is interested in picking it up, check them out. Uh, their uh, website is pattyjackpress.com. Uh, you can also find them on Twitter at pattyjackpress. Uh, that's patty spelled P-A-D-D-Y. And yeah, I can't, I can't recommend them enough. This, they, they really go out of their way to um, do this with a lot of love and care. Um, and they also do a, um, a zine for the last podcast on the left. So they keep themselves pretty busy and they also do really cool. Um, they do really cool stuff. So like when this, when this was getting put together, um, they were already planning a trick or treat watch along because at the time and still you can only really watch this um, on YouTube yeah. and they were doing it, but um, Joe Bob and Darcy were also uh, going to do it. And Joe Bob was going to commentate along with it. And they just, they all joined forces. They had giveaways during the thing. Um, they were talking about, they did pre-sales for this. And I was like, well, yeah, fuck yeah, I got to do it. The cover was designed by another artist named Cody Shiby, and he does all kinds of rad uh, horror work. He does um, he does uh, what he calls the last draw in. So during episodes of the Last Drive-in, he'll draw an image from the movie, and I mean he makes prints, he sells them, it's awesome, awesome stuff. And I I say all of that to talk about kind of like how people in metal and punk those scenes as well as the uh, horror movie fans it's all like an insular community and everybody looks out for each other everybody has fun uh somebody takes the time to put something cool like that together like yeah i'll throw you a couple of bucks for it like of course um it's all in the it's all in the spirit of you know celebrating this kind of thing and this movie has quite a lot of of fans and believe it or not um for me it's it's really like a time capsule of the time because I was, you know, I was only like 
three years old when this movie came out, but I grew up in that whole era, you know, teased hair, leather, studs, and bad tattoos, and guys wearing eyeliner and fingernail polish, but they were also like, oh, I'll kick your fucking ass, bro. Like, really, really just crazy stuff. Like, I literally lived in next door when I was a kid to this guy named Frank, and he was straight up, he could have been a, a Motley Crew reject not kidding. Like he wore leather pants. I don't think I ever saw him actually wear a shirt. It was always like a vest of some kind, you know, you, you remember like really early, uh, the early, early days of tattoos, the, the ink just looked kind of green. He had sleeves of fucking shitty tattoos like that. Big, long hair, obviously dyed black. So that was like, that was, it, it, it always reminded me of that. Anytime I watched this, That's awesome. I, I love the kind of, you know, mythology and the camaraderie that comes with films like this that I am really kind of, you know, learning about over the course of this show. And it really just makes me appreciate all of it. And I, I love that. I, I remember, you know, when we did our, um, our thing with the beyond, you know, going, getting to go into the, um, the Ibon press comics and all that, it was really exciting to kind of, you know, embrace that side of horror. And uh, yeah, I'm glad we're kind of shining more of a light on that. Yeah, it's it's really interesting to see too how people who were influenced by that kind of stuff, what they wind up doing with it. Um, you, you bring up the Ibon stuff and it's, it's amazing to me to see that, oh shit, somebody else loved the Beyond too. And oh fuck, they got some people, some people to make a comic book out of this shit. Like, fuck yeah. And it, it's just so, it's so exhilarating when you get your hands on something like that. And it's like you're, it's kind of like you are in a club that you didn't know you were in. But when you yeah. figure out you're in something, you're like, oh shit, this is awesome. Yeah. Cause I was never in that cool fucking crowd when I was younger. Like, no, of course not. Now it is. And it's, it's, it's wonderful. Um, places like Twitter, I know a lot of people hate it. It's like this cesspool shit. But, if you know, if you know how to tune your feed, it's really sweet. Um, and, and I just see all that stuff all the time. You get to interact with really cool people like the editor of Fangoria. Like, you know, I'll tweet stuff at him and he likes it and he responds. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know, that's what's cool about this kind of stuff. And, and no matter what, you're, you're chatting with somebody who gets exactly what you're talking about. And like, you already have a connection. It's really, really awesome. Um, if you get the chance to like go with us to a horror convention and see that kind of stuff in person. It's really, really cool. Like you could come up to a total stranger. You guys both have the same kind of shirt on. You're like, Oh dude, you like dead alive too. Yeah, man. Of course I do. You know? And then you just start hitting it off and you've made a best friend and you didn't even realize it. Um, that's, that's why I love movies like this because especially this movie, which, you know, commercially it's a flop didn't make, I mean, it made its budget back. And, and then some, but it never got, it was literally dumped on VHS the next year. So that really kind of tells you exactly all you need to know. Um, but the nature of the people that love this kind of stuff, it definitely got second life on VHS and continued to get bootlegged and passed around. And, you know, so like, I think something else I really love about this, and I'm going to kind of contextualize the film itself 
with this is by virtue of it existing and, and kind of going along with the premise that a lot of stuffy, shitty conservative people were trying to um, do to take control and censor a lot of music at the time. They were really just going like, fuck it. What if it was real? What would really happen? You know, like, would it really be that bad? Would it be that scary? I challenge you that no, it wouldn't. It would be kind of fun, at least for people like me. And that's, that's something that's really awesome. And actually, the, the more like when I revisited this, because there is a Blu-ray of this movie that exists. However, it was only released in Germany or through Europe, and you have to have a region f- free player in order to watch it. I do. And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, of course I'm going to get this. Shit. But, and I'll get to it a little bit later, and I'll just tease, tease you with this right now. The band Fastway is actually kind of at the center of why this movie hasn't gotten released again in, in the States. It's very interesting. A lot of it's rumor and conjecture, but I think it's I think it's interesting enough. Um, so yeah, about I want to say like in the the early eighties, uh, a wonderfully morally upstanding lady named Tipper Gore uh, decided to put her fucking nose where it didn't belong and say that you know this this music I'm seeing is is just it's bringing everybody down the youth of the the youth of today are being corrupted by all this violence in, in media and music and sex and blah, blah, blah. So she went ahead and joined up forces with some people and made the Parents Music Resource Center or the PMRC. And the shittiest thing about them was that they had the backing of like the government. And it culminated in uh, hearings with the Senate that famously and still to this day one of the coolest moments in like you know you're you're gonna call me a dirt bag well guess what i'm gonna show you a dirt bag <laughs> when d snyder sat in front of them and like a kid that like did his homework at the last minute he's like pulling it out of his back pocket and like smoothing it out on the table <laughs> and then he just composes himself and rips them to shreds and speaks so eloquently it's like the biggest middle finger to all of these jerk offs that were trying to sit there and shut them down. And I, I loved it. I mean, I was a kid when it happened, but being able to look back on it, it was like one of the most awesome moments. And that was where this movie was kind of like positioning itself. So after you meet Eddie in his room, you see him doing his daily chores and you finally see Sammy Kerr on the TV, not in a way that you're thinking, and it's a little bit of dramatic irony as they're kind of eulogizing him. Um, but they're also sitting him, showing him seated in front of these uh, these judgy type fucks. And he's literally pulling the D Snyder thing, but being a lot more confrontational about it, saying that, you know, we're going to take you down, man. We're going to take you down. Um, and it's it's really cool because it's it's already kind of like telling you where we're at and understanding that this is what's happening but what exactly are we you know where where exactly are we going to go with this um i do like that we are following eddie 
for the most part, uh, very closely. And knowing that, you know, he, he's about to get some really damaging information. Um, and it's, it's Sammy's dead. His idol is dead. Um, and I'll take this moment to, um, like, what do you know about any of the PMRC stuff? Um, I know that um, it came partially from uh, the rap group Two Live Crew, who were quite raunchy in their in their oh, lyrics. Oh, fuck yeah, totally, totally, and their stage shows. <laughs> Anyone yeah. who had to push the fucking envelope, it was those guys. And then Tipper was like, oh, no, this will not stand. And that's why we have the uh, parental advisory sticker. And I, I've always fucking hated, um, uh, what are they called? Um, uh, Lenny Bruce dealt with it. George Carlin dealt with it. Laws against oh, the, uh, the, the FCC or the not- F, yeah. Well, there's no, a, it wasn't them. Standards and practices. There's a word for it. Like, ah, it's going to drive me nuts. But like vulgarity being illegal, that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. 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 Like obscenity laws and obscenity shit like laws. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. I've always fucking hated that shit. It goes against the first amendment and I don't know why it's ever even been a thing. Like it's, it's ridiculous. And this to me, you know, this goes right into that. It's music, folks. It's, you know, it's not the devil. And even if it was the devil, who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, as as we see in, in this movie, the devil's pretty groovy. It's just like, you you just got to be on his side. That's all. Yeah, the um, devil just wants and, to play one great show. Exactly. And, and that's the thing about it. Like, it didn't even do what they thought it was going to do. All it did was draw more attention to the offensive stuff. Cause that's what I did. I even like, if my parents took me to go buy CDs, I would immediately go to the ones that had the stickers on them. And my parents are like, well, what's the difference with this one? I'm like, this one has cursing in it. This one doesn't. Oh, and why would they? Well, that's stupid. I'm like, sweet. So can I get it? Yeah, of course. Like, awesome. Do you want to listen to it with me? Like, yeah, no, I don't want to do that. You know, but this was also coming from the, the, the kid whose dad, one of my earliest childhood memories is being in the garage, my dad and his buddies, they're playing darts and my dad's singing dirty deeds by ACDC to me, you know, and that whole list of shit that Bon Scott is talking about, you know, like my dad's just singing all this stuff to me. I didn't know what a necktie was when I was a kid. Like until I got older, I was like, you're singing this shit to me. It's like, yeah, it's a really good song. I was like, I know, but you're singing that to your son. He was four. Like, yeah, I was having a good time. It's like, that's, that's how I was raised. You know, like I was raised in, in that whole era of people, everybody fucking smoking in the house. Nobody fucking, who fucking puts the windows open? No, fuck that. Like, you know, everything was dangerous and it was acceptable, you know? I, I was raised by young parents my my mom had me when she was 20 and my mom and dad were still you know partying going to concerts and stuff so i grew up just subconsciously hearing you know cypress hill and rage against the machine and just you know crazy shit like my they didn't care about vulgarity 
like my parents were just, you know, words were words. And like, I swear around my mom all the time. I have for years. It's like, doesn't bother anybody. So it's, it's, I think that's a great way to, you know, to live your life, to just see things as not all that significant and just, you know, have fun with it. You know, we only get so long to, we don't get to enjoy that much. Uh, so why put a, you know, why put blocks where they don't need to be? Yeah. And I think, I think it's why I have a big problem with people who are like super religious is like, if you don't like it, change the channel. You don't have to fucking listen to the same music I do. You don't have to watch the same movies I do. I don't watch your shit and I don't complain about your terrible taste in music. Do I? No, I'm not going to try and get John Denver banned. I don't care because I'm not going to listen to him. All right. I actually really like John Denver, but I agree with you. I'm just trying to make a point. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. You, you know, go watch veggie tales and shut the fuck up. I don't, I don't have time for that. I, yeah. I hate anybody who tries to, I think I took Austin and I talked about this on sneak preview just yesterday. Like anybody who tries to make you feel bad for liking things and anybody who tries to say that, like, you know, I know best. I hate that shit. And ugh, yeah, this, ugh. I mean, yeah, it. yeah, no, no, no. Th- those those people are the literal worst because they're they're trying to be gatekeepers and tell you like, no, I know what's best for you. You actually don't know anything. Mm-hmm. No, go fucking sit on a fence post and just leave the rest of us alone. OK. Ah, well said. Yeah, that's why, you know, I love doing this podcast because I, I think I've made it pretty explicit since day one. I do not give a fuck. And it's fun to find people who also don't give a fuck, but love talking about this shit because they enjoy it. That's the whole reason that we're here. Cause we like this stuff. We're exactly. not trying to, we're not trying to convince anybody. We're not trying to convert anybody. We're not trying to put anything down. We're just taking shit. We like and giving our two cents. Absolutely. And isn't that what Merck is all about? Damn right. <laughs> um, so yeah. So Sammy Kerr is played by the late Tony Fields and he has absolutely like no familiarity at this time whatsoever with any kind of heavy music, the, that whole scene, none of that. His actual background was as a solid gold dancer. Wow. Big in theater. Yeah. He's big in the theater. He was born in Kansas. So, you know, he's like this, he's like this all American boy goes to Hollywood to make a make a name for himself. He winds up going through solid gold. I think it was like, yeah, 79 to 84. He was also in the Thriller and Beat It music videos. Cool. That's so, awesome. Yeah. I mean, the, the guy was a legit dancer. Um, I don't know if if you if you take that information now and then think back to his performance when he goes back to his alma mater those are some very very good moves he's putting on just saying and yeah like he like him playing sammy kerr is probably one of the coolest things i have seen like and especially like seeing this at a a younger age and then seeing it you know now i'm still just like wow he fucking kills it he he steals the movie for me you know like it's supposed to be about eddie and his whole journey with all of that 
but fucking Sammy Kerr like just takes it. He fucking takes it. And he's probably he is absolutely the reason why people like always think of Sammy Kerr over Eddie in this movie. Um, so fun fact when they because originally uh, Blackie Lawless, the lead singer from Wasp, was supposed to be um, he was supposed to be Sammy Kerr. However, they hit a point of contention when the producers were like, look, we don't need your band to do the music. We've got another band to do the music and you're just going to lip sync over it. He was like, mm. why would I do that? I have my own fucking band. So that was that. Um, they found, they found Tony Fields. Now this is, this is a, this is a story comes from uh, one of the, uh, the, the, okay. So the guy was the drummer. He was the drummer in the band, the kickers, the one that's playing at the high school. So the drummer is a guy named Casual Cuz. So right there, you know he's a reliable source. He says that Tony was given. Okay, hold on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read. I'm gonna quote him. All right. Okay. Tony was cool as fuck from the get go. He was a solid gold dancer, and he had done other films. They put a weave in his hair, gave him two thousand dollars, and said, "Go hang out with these guys and get the attitude." So he did a lot of partying. And he kind of turned into Tommy Lee meets Billy Idol. Did a lot of coke and drank like fishes. Like I said, it was just another day. So he he gets handed two grand and is like, just go hang out with these guys. Go hang out with these guys and get their attitude. You know, like like, try to understand how they're, how they're, how they do what they do, you know? And Tony fucking getting hammered with rock stars. (laughs) And coming from somebody who has partied with people in bands, it is very hard to keep up if you're not used to it. I would imagine so. I think it's crazy that this dude just went from solid gold dancer with like some films under his belt and had to basically just become a rock star to do this movie. And he just fully embraced it, like all aspects, good and bad. And it it shows in the performance. Like, I, I honestly, I looked it up trying to think, like, what band was this guy from? And I couldn't find it. I was like, holy shit, this dude's an actor. No. So I think I probably put it in my review that he is like, he's like equal parts, Blackie Lawless, um, Ozzy Osbourne, and Alice Cooper. So like he kind of has that amalgamation of all of them because Blackie is like, he's pure attitude. He is, he's the guy that will punch you in the face, take your girlfriend, and then fuck her in front of you while you cry like that's blackie lawless um and you know alice cooper is all about the art and the theatrics of it and ozzy osbourne is like taking both of those two guys and then saying hold my beer i can do better because i mean they, they they showed video of him you know cutting the head off a snake and drinking his blood and all that shit pulling pulling a trick straight out of ozzy's book um so yeah um there's a there's a really great section in the zine where they talk about um kind of just how cool tony was and and his commitment to things so like i don't know exactly when it when it happened but he got diagnosed with lung cancer moved back to uh davis california where he had gone to high school 
and directed Dinner Theater with the drama program. Um, and then in 1995, he passed away at 37 from lung cancer, which was secondary to HIV. So not only did he have cancer, he also had HIV. Jesus. And yeah, he passed away at 37. Ironically enough, Sammy Kerr died at 38. Coincidence. Um, so uh, Davis High School has since set up the Tony Award as well as a $500 scholarship given every year in his honor. That's nice. So I think cancer and AIDS. Yeah. 37. God damn. I'm 38. So think about, yeah, it's nuts. Um, But yeah, like he, he was so committed to like going back and helping his community and doing that. And every, like every quote, anytime somebody brought that guy's name up, he was like, he was one of the nicest and one of the most, professional people i've ever met like he was always there to to do a good job was great at doing his work and i think that's i I think that's a really nice way to be remembered when your school names an award after you and a scholarship that they still do to this day that's it's wonderful yeah that's high praise and it sounds like he he deserved it he earned it he he took his job seriously and he took i think i don't think he uh took what he had for granted at all no i mean to, to, to do something that you love and then to be able to kind of pass that passion along to younger kids coming from a fellow drama nerd. I, I appreciate that. Um, I think that was one of the things like I got really excited about when I was in high school and doing drama and stuff and finding out all the history of Wilmington and all the cool stuff that happened. And then you start watching movies and you're like, Oh shit, I know where that is. That gazebo in silver bullet. I've been there. I know where that is. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's anytime I watch movies from that time period, like I, I'm always like, "Yep, been there, know that." Yep, yeah. Blue Velvet, where Frank's fucking berating Kyle McLaughlin about his fucking choice in beers. I'm like, "That, that's a Barbary Coast. I've stumbled out of that place many times." Yep, <laughs> still looks the same. So, movies like this always have a very personal connection with me, and probably why I love them that much more. Um, you remember the, uh, VCR, uh, I showed you that my friend Ty had painted the Dawn of the Dead thing on one of the, one of the bootleg tapes he made for me, trick or treat, because you have to have that movie on VHS. Like you, you just have to, um, so let's see. Oh, how can I, how can I go this far without even bringing up? Ozzy Osbourne's performance in this. So tell me, when he first popped up, what were you thinking? When I saw in the opening credits, you know, special appearance by Ozzy Osbourne, I kept waiting for it. And then when it said, you know, we ha- on the news, we have a local evangelist preacher to tell us his thoughts. I'm like, it's, it's going to be fucking Ozzy, isn't it? <laughs> and it was, and it's Ozzy clean shaven with like his hair all combed in a sweater vest talking about how the devil's influencing the youth. And I could not stop laughing. I'm like, this is perfect. This is perfect. <laughs> and I love the little post credit scene where we get a little bit more. <laughs> this, this music will make you perverts. Oh, I'm surprised wow. he was able to give full sentences. I thought that at that point he was already fucked up, but good for Ozzy. <laughs> Fun fact, and this is coming from 
uh, a site coming from the uh, the the Joe Bob uh, fanzine. They're saying uh, it was from one of the producers. I felt it was better not to give Ozzy scripted lines because what he came up with was much more interesting than the script. <laughs> and that was from uh, that was from one of the producers talking to uh, Fangoria back in the day. They probably got about 45 minutes of material out of Ozzy. No way all that's going into the movie. <laughs> so think about that. All the shit that they left on the floor. I think this too is probably like, so bringing, going back to the PMRC, like Ozzy Osbourne was absolutely one of the people they went after that oh, yeah. the PMRC had in their sights. Cause I mean, duh, of course, you know, the guy that eats fucking head off a bat, of course we're going to go after him. Yeah. Um, he is relishing this. Cause you know that he is just sticking this right back in their face and going like, this is what you think of me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well now I'm going to play you and show you how stupid you sound. And this is great. Like this, this is, and again, you have to think he came up with a lot of this shit. He was like demonic beasts. What happened to the good old simple love song? I love you. That's a good word to use. Nowadays they have to write some sickness. It's just absolutely sick and bizarre. And I'm going to do my utmost best to try and stop it now. These evil people have just got to be stopped. Like this fucking guy, like he is going right back in their face. And that's one of the reasons why I fucking love this movie. Like, and I think part of it, why it's still kind of relevant because like, there's still people that bitch about this kind of stuff. And it's, I, I think it's going to be an argument that's as old as time, to be honest. Because somebody's always going to find something that somebody else does offensive. Yeah. And somebody thinks that their opinion matters about it really fucking doesn't. Like, take your own fucking, take your own advice and fucking choose not to, not to get exposed to it. Just, just don't. Yeah. It's not my responsibility to make you feel better. That's, that's one of my, you know, I, I wholeheartedly believe that, you know, I've had to talk to people like, you know, my, the music I like, the movies I like, I, you know, occasionally have to explain myself. And I, I often just don't just like, don't like it. Just, all right. I guess I won't hang out with you. It's that easy. Exactly. exactly. I'm, I'm getting too old for that shit. Yeah. I think, I think too, like in his introduction, when he's reading the Sammy Kerr lyrics, like I fucking, I just, laughed so fucking hard because he plays it so well it's like it it hurts him to say this stuff it's like he's going to get sick saying it it's, just, it's so fucking good it's so good like when i when i hear that lyric i think of a sexual act <laughs> it's the fucking blue sweater vest that ties it all together like this is you know like if Ozzy got captured by the Jehovah's Witnesses and like converted, this is what it would be like. And he played that so well. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I think it's like after this little introduction to Reverend uh, Gilstrom and it's uh, Eddie getting in his car with the appropriate uh, vanity license plate of Ragman heading over to see Nuke. And they're going to commiserate with each other. Um, I thought it was really interesting. Like, even though this is Gene Simmons, you know, 
and 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 how weird that guy is and how the, all the crazy stuff he's done in his life he actually gives a really good performance in this scene where he is being a dj telling this kid not to look up to somebody like him because you don't know who he really is you know it's almost like he's he's talking to people in the in the audience who are watching this movie it's like you don't you don't want to put me on a pedestal like I'm a guy who fucking wags his tongue and spits blood and fire everywhere. Like I'm not really going to be a good hero. <laughs> and he even, he even warns, he even warns him, you know, it's like Sammy was very angry. He was, he was not who you think he is. And Eddie doesn't like that. He was, he, he took it personal and I can kind of understand that, you know, I don't know if you've ever had that, real like painful experience when either like an actor or a musician that you've known you know your whole life and you find out that they passed away like one of the one of the more recent ones that really messed me up was when uh david bowie died and that was like that was because it was a link to my parents my parents brought him into my life and then like i grew up seeing him in labyrinth and those kinds of things and then hearing his music and just he was always there. And then it was like, poof, he's gone. And you're like, what the fuck? You know, that really hurts. So like, again, this is another point where you, where you really understand where Eddie's coming from and the hurt that he's feeling. And then he shows him the record that, and he even, and this was, again, it was kind of like a throwaway line. I think the first time I watched it, but when he's holding the record up to him and he's like, Sammy's in here, you know? And then you don't think anything of it. Of course, again, with the whole premise of what if it's real, Sammy really is inside. And he takes the record home and he just listens to it, which the title of that album was Songs in the Key of Death. Like it. Yeah, right. It made me laugh when... uh... Gene Simmons gave him the record and said, like, this is the last, this is the only copy of this album. And he's like, and you're giving it to me? And he's like, yeah, I got it on tape over here. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, no, dude, that's not, that's not what you're supposed to say. <laughs> oh, boy. That was funny. But again, <laughs> that's, that's like some Gene, Gene Simmons shit he'd say, like, it's the last record. Nobody else in the world is going to have this. But I got it on tape back there. <laughs> You and me have it. You and me have it. But yeah. Oh, yeah. This is, uh, for me, uh, I thought this was neat because I, I grew up like right when cassette tapes died. So I didn't really, it was neat to kind of see how cassette tapes worked because I've never really known. Oh, man. <laughs> like I, I came, I barely remember eight tracks. I was born in 83, and I think those were already on the way in at that point. Definitely had records around me. Absolutely had tapes. So like I've been there through the whole evolution of, of music in general. And I remember making mixtapes. I remember recording music off the fucking radio when like new songs would come out and you'd be like, oh shit, dude, like you got to get there. Yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I went through all of that. You get pretty good. Not lying. You get pretty good. Like learning how to time stuff out and figure out like, you know, cause whenever you recorded something on, on a, on a cassette, there was always like one or two seconds worth of like dead air that would always come in between and you had to time it just right. 
to get you know so you didn't like tape over one song or whatever so yeah it was an art form it was an art form i i, I will say that and it always taught me to keep a pencil around in case the fucking tape started flying out of it oh, i gotta put it back together <laughs> so oh, that's that's great yeah and sammy does what what anybody does when they used to buy physical copies of music fucking goes and plays the shit out of it and he passes out and he has this weird ass dream which um the the reading that was done at the beginning i don't know if you really caught it or what it was from but it was apparently it's kind of like a bastardized version of the uh like the story of uh faustus and that whole like that whole theme comes through this and especially in that that image that fucking uh eddie gets in his head of what sammy was doing at the at the end of his days basically killing him and his fucking band <laughs> making his whole deal with the devil and um did you ever um know about like backward masking or back masking or hear about it before this I did know about that. Yeah. I've looked up some, some clips of, you know, Robert Plant singing about the devil and, you know, John Lennon saying Paul's dead and all that shit. I, I, I think it's dumb, but I, I appreciate the sentiment. So there are legit examples of people doing it and it being an actual thing. What I think is really, what is really good about like the, the hysteria about it is it is exactly what these people are, 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 are all about. They're all about projecting. They're all about telling you, I, you, it's there. They are talking about Satan in this. It's, I heard it. I heard it. And you're going to hear it too. So like, you're already like calling your shot at that point. You're, you're, you're already telling people, this is what you're going to hear. So that when they listen to it, chances are they're probably going to hear something and go, Oh yeah, I guess it does kind of sound kind of devilish. I don't know. And, but it's all projection. It's all what they want it to be, not actually objectively l listening to what is there. And of course, continuing to, you know, expand on this premise. Fucking Sammy is in the record and he's speaking to Eddie. And oh, I didn't even. Okay, so this is probably um, a, a good, a good. Uh, a good way to break into how we were introduced to Eddie and his life at school. That whole fucking sequence of him getting tortured and just bullied incessantly. So when, when Caleb and I were watching this last night, he, um, he was like, uh, when Eddie's drinking the chocolate milk, he's like, Oh man, I hate when that happens. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you know, sometimes with those, Sometimes with those chocolate milk things, the milk just kind of like comes down the front. I'm like, no, they fucking stuck a hole in the shit. He was like, oh, they did? It's like, yeah. He was like, well, oh, that's fucked up. <laughs> I can say, you know, half my life in public school, not once did I like dribble chocolate milk down my front. That's never happened. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> hey, look, this is Caleb. He is a magical creature and capable of many things. Apparently you can't drink milk all that well though, which is a shame. <laughs> I have so many questions. Like clearly this happened more than once for him to focus on it. So I'm 
We're going to talk. We're going to talk about this. <laughs> it reminded me so much of the Toxic Avenger, the opening of just, you know, incessant bullying and like over the top. I mean, just, you know, stripping him and throwing him into the gym with the cheerleaders. Like that oh, was man. so fucking wrong. Like so wrong. Like first you're messing with the man's music. Like, don't do that. Don't do that. And then they fucking doubled down and kicked him out butt ass naked out of the locker room. And so Mark Price was talking about that. He was like, it's like, yeah, you know, skinny 17. Like, yeah, you know, I don't feel scared about it. You know, but it's like that took some fucking balls, man. No fucking way I would do that shit. And again, like you can, and it's, it's, such a great performance from him because he's like grabbing on the door like let me in let me in and then he sees the flash in the door and he's like oh shit they took a picture didn't they like just god damn it like it just kept getting worse and worse and worse um the the high there were two high schools from wilmington that were used as um the exterior and the interior of um eddie's high school um those were new hanover high school and uh hoggard high school both of them probably were maybe like i don't know five seven miles away from each other um and uh a lot of the interior like running around stuff that was all um new hanover um the pool party scene was at uncw where i went to college and i was telling caleb and so i came like yeah that's a UNCW pool. I was there for PE playing water polo. And he like turned his head at me. He was like, you played water polo. It's like, look, I didn't want to. It was what we had to do. I wasn't excited about it. I almost fucking drowned. I was like, how'd you do that? Like you fucking try and tread water for fucking an hour and see if you aren't tired by the end of that. Like no way, no effing way. And I never did it again. But yeah, I have no idea how to play water polo. Uh, <laughs> I, know. I was just trying not to drown. That's all. Good. Good plan. Yeah. Uh, I have a question. Yep. Why was every 80s movie bully a well-built blonde kid? Uh, I want to say that is the uh, the William Zabka effect. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yep. you know, or, um, then it was carried on into the nineties with, uh, I don't remember the actor's name, but he was the douchebag in Encino man who fucking stapled Sean Astin to the fucking wall. <laughs> so yeah, I, I just think blonde means evil. Yeah. At least in Hollywood it does. Yeah. If you're blonde, Which is kind of funny. blonde, blue eyed. <laughs> well chiseled chin and you know stunning good looks and you're the evil one wonder if his grandpa is from argentina <laughs> quite possible quite someone possible. some of you will get that yeah <laughs> yeah he was such a prick tim uh of course he had a fucking name like that <laughs> Luther. tim although the scene that i was surprised like the uh when he makes the Eddie makes the mixtape as like a peace offering, expecting it to kill Tim, just like, Oh, this is our hero. Um, and then it fucks up his girlfriend, but like Sammy straight up, like 
ghost raped that girl, which was yeah. so odd. I, uh, I, I, I called it like some spectral aardvarken or something like that to, uh, <laughs> to quote Joe Bob. Um, yeah. And it was funny. Like Caleb's sitting there watching it and he's like turning around, looking at me. He's like, is it, is that ghost? It's like, yeah, it gets better. <laughs> and then, and then when the, uh, when the demon pops out, it's like fucking like it, it, it reminded me of like a kind of like violator from the spawn fucking comic books, you know? Yeah. This big hulking monster, this fucking flapping ass tongue. just And, uh, the the guy that was responsible for that was kevin yeager and he had done special effects i'm gonna say right after that for nightmare on elm street 2 oh so yeah guy was really good and he also uh did his best tom savini impression uh by being the lead singer of the kickers who gets his head blown up by sammy when Ah. sammy comes out of the speakers which speaking of coming out of the speakers can we please talk about sammy's resurrection that was the coolest shit ever i have it right here in my notes sammy kerr makes a hell of an entrance yeah it's electrifying (laughs) oh my god yeah this is a this is a hell of a you know I love it, like, basically making a deal with the devil, turn this fucker into Electro. And it just works. First off, you know, showing up with the, at the friends, like, at the, at the, oh, fuck, I forgot. Was it at Eddie, was it in front of Eddie or in front of the friend? It was in front of Eddie, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, yeah, it's right in Eddie's room. Okay, I thought so, but if that's when the record melts and all that shit. Yeah, okay, got my wires crossed. Yeah, that was badass. But then him showing up at, the, at like the Halloween prom and like killing the lead singer, the kickers, the guitar goes flying and he just fucking catches it with one arm. And the whole band is like, all right, we're doing this now. And <laughs> just rocks out. I'm like, fuck, it's the best show this school's ever seen. Yeah. And he got to go back to his school and play a show after all. Like that was that was also a nice little touch. I was like, this guy is not going to be stopped. Like. That was his whole that was his whole desire was to go back there and show these people like what he had made of himself and he got to do it and damned if he didn't fucking deliver. Like I remember because I think I'd seen this last year for the first time in like probably like 10 or 15 years or something. And seeing it seeing it again, I was just like, oh my God, like this is this is like the most rock and roll way to just take out a crowd ever he's just fucking wailing on solos and fucking using his guitar to shoot lightning bolts at people and they're exploding and all this shit and it's just yes yes very very fucking metal very fucking metal moment for sure then he just starts killing people and it's like all right um why not I thought it was neat that the uh, director, this is the directorial debut of the, of the uh, accountant guy from the untouchables, Charles Martin Smith. <laughs> it's like, okay. Does not seem like the kind of guy who would helm a project like this, which is neat. So good for him. Yeah. I mean, there, it was, I think it was his first movie. Yeah. I'm not mistaken. And I mean, you kind of come out swinging with something like this, you know, for sure. Um, I had I have anything in my 
wanted to oh that bit <laughs> Sammy is at uh Sammy confronts the friend and like pulls the fucking old lady out of the TV. Yeah. <laughs> you hear her screaming and shit. <laughs> oh like I wonder what everyone like watching that show saw. Like the audience. Like what the fuck oh, did they see? Man. I wish it had just been like uh what was that? Um, was it brain scan where they fucking sucked him into the video game and it kind of looked like that? Like, uh, have you ever seen that movie? I have not. Oh, it's fucking. It was like the movie after Terminator 2 that Edward Furlong was in. Ah, it was right around that with um, Pet Cemetery 2. So it's like right in this little time frame. Fucking brain scans. A wonderful ass movie. Um it's riding on the heels of like it kind of has like lawnmower man elements where like it's all about a video game that you get into and but its whole slant is that you're um you're going around and you're killing people and the trickster is the character that will, lives inside the game but then he ends up getting out and yeah it's 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 pure fucking 90s cheese I highly encourage you to find it. It's fucking like you watch that and you're like, yeah, of course, of course, Josh would love this movie. Like, yeah, duh. Um, yeah. So it's fucking, it's fucking wonderful. Um, I, just, I was just thinking about like that whole image of that lady and like what she would look like getting sucked in or sucked out or whatever, you know? And then the fucking friend is vacuuming her like that. That made me laugh so much. Just like body parts around. He's just trying to, Clean it up the only way he knows how. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. There's, there's some moments in this that are pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think the one thing that I that I had to to say, like, I guess to its detriment is just kind of like it feels like it just kind of like limps to the end. Um and I mean I think I think it's because they're trying to you know, not have Eddie enjoy this because I think at first he really does enjoy it. And I, and I kind of wish they would have dragged that out just a little bit more. And I mean, it, it, it kind of makes sense because, you know, Sammy does cross a line when he's messing with the girl that, you know, Eddie is in love with. And that was where, you know, as, as it happens all the time, two friends, girl always gets in the way. Just so like, just leave her alone, dude. Just leave her alone. It's like, sorry, man. Like, I am horny and ready to destroy. Like, you can't just leave me on a walk, man, with a nice lady and not expect me to try and you know have fun. Uh, one problem I have with it is that it has so little to do with Halloween that I feel like trick or treat is. Didn't, I feel like it didn't earn that title. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think, I, and I think that might've, that, that could have been helped a little bit more if it was, you know, decorated a little more to, to kind of show the holidays. I mean, you only see it really at, at like the dance Eddie's front porch, you know, very, very few times. However, um, this was also um, titled Ragman. Yeah. Um, and it was also titled Death at 33 RPM. So, um, which is actually like, there's actually a really fucking badass um, poster for that, which shows a record and like this 
demonic looking clawed hand like as the needle on the record it's pretty rot it's pretty wild um so yeah i mean i think and again i just think if they would have played up that aspect of it a little bit more probably um it it doesn't take away like the overall experience for me though um just because it's it's just it's just damn fun like it doesn't even though it does kind of peter out towards the end it's still just it moves this movie moves there's like no bs in it i mean it it and i think that's helped a lot to buy the music that fastway put together for the for the film um i don't know if you looked up anything about fastway um on your own but they were put together by a gentleman known as Fast Eddie Clark, who was the guitar player for Motorhead, and a guy named Pete Way, who was the bass player for a band called UFO. And um, they picked up this guy named Dave King, who was uh, totally unknown at the time to be their singer. And they had a couple of albums before what they got approached to do for Trick or Treat. And they put together all the music and all the songs. That's what Sammy is, uh, Tony Fields is lip syncing to the entire time. Um, you know, th- th- their music's throughout the movie. And um, Dave King, ironically enough, after this uh, little stint with Fastway, I think he was only in the band for like four years, he goes on to found Flogging Molly. Ah, huh. that's cool. What, um, is there, was there a soundtrack released for this? Like, or is that like, yeah, is it really hard yeah. to get? So, um, no, I actually, I found it. It was on Amazon. It was like for six bucks and I was like, fuck, I'm oh. just going to get it. Um, so if you get it, you also get like the, uh, if you have Amazon music, you can, uh, you get the digital version of it too. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Now here's, here's where the controversy comes. So like I said, it was put out on VHS the year after it came out. Didn't get a home release, I think, again until like the 2000s or something when it was put out on DVD. And then in 2014, it was put out in Europe on a three-disc uh, edition, Blu-ray, all that stuff, with the, um, the CD of the album. Oh. All that stuff was put together. But it has not been released again since. It hasn't been released in North America. And the rumors are pointing a lot of the fingers at the remaining member of Fastway that's still alive. Eddie Clark died. Pete Way died. And Dave King is the only surviving member of like the original lineup. And it's, it's the rights to Fastway that he does not want to play ball with and release so that this can get put out again. Ironically enough, it's because he is, again, this is what I'm hearing. This is rumors, nothing that I've confirmed or anything like that, that he is uh, kind of embarrassed that Fastway wasn't a popular band, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you played with the fucking guitarist of Motorhead. Like, what are you complaining about, dude? Like, you were nobody. They picked you up to fucking be in their band. Well, 
And then, and then check this out. <clears throat> the guy who founded Flogging Molly does not want to put this music out that he's not a fan of because it will damage his punk cred. Yeah, what? exactly. It's not like this exactly. is a secret. <laughs> like people know this movie. I, you know, it's not huge, but people do know it. Just throw people a bone. What are you? Flogging Molly is a successful band. Like you're doing fine, Dave. Like this is unnecessary. Ugh. Again, total rumors. But when you when when you when you think about how essential Fastway's music is to this movie. Because yeah. you can't you can't cut this shit out. You can't cut around it. You can't like you can't. And because somebody is embarrassed, get the fuck out of here. Like you you have made you contributed to a fucking cult movie that is still talked about 35 years later. And while maybe not as popular as flogging Molly probably has a more devoted fan base. I'll just say it like that. <clears throat> Call me crazy. I don't care. Quote me on it too. Go for it. I dare you. Um, but yeah, so that's um, because for me, this is absolutely a movie that Vinegar Syndrome, getting their hands on this, they would put together something fantastic. And the fact that some dickhead does not want to play and make some money out of this totally blows my mind it makes no fucking sense whatsoever like the guy could make money off of this and then go make more fucking flog and molly music which that move that music makes me want to flog myself like i'm not a fan i don't care for them i don't go out of my way to listen to them and i've had like i've had punk compilations and like i've hear a fucking flute and i'm like if this is flogging molly and then i hear that voice and i'm like how oh, fuck these guys skip it so that's how I feel about it. And I just think it's ridiculous that after all this time, in, in, and even though the last version was put out like seven years ago, this guy doesn't want to give this movie the, the, the restoration and, and love that it deserves. Yeah, some people just don't understand or don't care that they were a part of something that so many people care about and so many people want to see restored and that just sucks. It's a, uh, I don't know. I feel like this guy will never play ball if he hasn't by now. If this is what's going on, I mean, it could be something else, but certainly sounds right to me. Yeah, I mean, anybody attached to Dino De Laurentiis's estate, they wouldn't care. They'd be all about it. Like, yeah, duh. I mean, they, they they've never tried to to do whatever they could to like stop like any any of the other movies that he had his hand on, you know? So I really feel like the fact that it's coming, like the, the, the fingers are being pointed at that guy. I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, I buy that. And if I'm wrong, so be it, you know, feel free to, uh, as we say all the time, engage us on social media. You know, you've got, uh, we're at filmgasm on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can, find me at zombie killer on twitter um we're ragging on caleb he's also on twitter as well um harass him in a fun way yeah, ask him why he had 
such issues with chocolate milk in school. I'm, I've been thinking about that this whole time. Like, how, what did he, what is he doing? <laughs> yeah. That vlog and Molly guy sucks. Why did Caleb have such trouble drinking chocolate milk as a kid? Like enough trouble that he had to point it out. Like, oh, he's not doing that right. That happened to me all the time. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Ridiculous. Well, at least it's on YouTube. Uh, it did when it opened as Ragman. I'm like, oh, I have the wrong movie. But then it, <laughs> I looked into the, um, the credits and I'm like, no, wait, this is the right movie. I gave it a bit and I'm like, no, this is it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you can't. That's pretty much the only way you're going to get to see this. I believe me, I looked. <laughs> yeah. Um, my uh, my buddy Ty, actually, um, he showed me uh, that he is uh, going back on, on a bootleg venture. So um, I don't know when they're going to come out. I don't know how they're going to come out. But he works at a place called Orbit DVD in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, you can find them at orbitdvd.com and they always have good shit for people that are collectors or movie fans in general. Hit them up, check them out. Absolutely. Definitely. Uh, well, anything else you want to want to spotlight with trick or treat? Um, I mean, I, I think we've kind of hit a lot of it. And it's just like, this movie is just a lot of fun. Um, I encourage you to look out, um, to seek out black roses. That's something else that definitely has to be seen. Um, like there's just some weird, ridiculous titles for some of these like rock and roll movies. There's literally a movie called hard rock zombies. Of course. Of course. And, and it is fucking terrible like just the worst i found it in like the early days of netflix you know like i saw the i saw the fucking picture they put up for it and i was like yeah okay all right no immediately regretted it when i started watching i was like, this is terrible what the hell is this so yeah stay away from that but um black roses has got a really cool um premise to it and it also features a speaker eating somebody so you know gotta watch that um there's this guy he made a bunch of uh weird metal uh back in the 80s uh, his name was john michael thor and he uh was in a movie called rock and roll nightmare and i encourage you to look up that poster for that movie um it's fucking ridiculous <laughs> and uh yeah it's just these movies were an excuse to put demons and metalheads together um and it's just great it's just i told you yeah see, holy I, shit yeah. that is one hell of a cod piece right <laughs> it's frightening isn't it jesus it's a whole subculture i didn't know existed this is good oh yeah it's what i'm here for man i'm here to expose you to all the finer corners and cracks and crevices of horror films happy to do it Fuck yeah. Uh, what would you give this out of 10? Uh, so if I could give it six, six, six out of 10, I would, but I can't because we go one through 10. Um, it's, it's a solid eight for me. And 
if you ask me tomorrow closer to Halloween, I'll probably say it's a fucking 10. Um, I just really love this movie. It's always fun. Um, I mean, I have the album for a reason. Um, it also has a really great poster for it. And for me, like, that's like, that's part of, you know, my childhood, you know, seeing a weird, crazy, scary video box and going, well, I have to see that movie and just getting sucked into it, you know, but it's always a roll of the dice, you know, it's, it's either really good or it's fucking some shit like hard rock zombies. And you're just like, I want to rip my eyeballs out right now. Like, this is terrible. That movie's fucking bad. Like it's got like the worst, like soft lighting and, and soap opera, like hairdos. Like it's terrible. It is terrible. And it is not hard rocking or zombies. Like you think it's not like it's not, it is total. It is a total misnomer. It is definitely a bait and switch movie. Definitely. It's, it's, it's trash. Don't even go there. That blows. Uh, I give trick or treat a six. Um, it's not terrible. Uh, I thought it was like for an R rating. I thought this should have been way more hardcore. I thought it was pretty tame. Uh, and then I thought, you know, it, it could have had more to do with Halloween. It's going to call it trick or treat. Uh, but you know, that's just me. So six. Hey, look, I'm just glad that you came into this at the beginning with a smile on your face. So I know you at least had some fun with it. And that's all I can ask. That's all I can ask. Cause you know, almost 99.9% of the time, I'm not going to recommend a movie that's boring as fuck. That's true. There's going to be something about it. that you're going to be like, well, <laughs> didn't think I was going to see that today. <laughs> That is true. That is true. I'm going to get something I've never even like thought of or heard about or considered from you. That's for sure. That's what I'm here for. And at the end of the day, isn't that why you have friends to fucking expose you to shit that you're just like, either you're going to regret and you're going to question your life choices or you're like, that wasn't so bad. Yeah. Austin will make me watch a week of Federico Fellini movies. And then you will give me some crazy ass eighties horror film. So yeah, it's all, you know, it's all good. <laughs> it's all about balance, man. It's all about balance. Yep. <laughs> That's I, sure. man, if I could, if I had to watch a week's worth of Fellini, I would probably hurt somebody. Just, I, I canceled two of the movies. I was like, I'm watching, I, I, after watching three of them, I'm like, I can't fucking do this anymore. So I, I stopped. It was like, I told him on the, on the episode, I'm like, I didn't watch this one. So sorry. <laughs> we worked with what we had, but like, I could not do it. That was that guy, not the time, but holy fuck. Did I not enjoy that? Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, this was fun. Yeah. Um, I mean, not too bad, you know, letting me take the wheel and drive a little bit. Um, I think, I think this is a format that we can, we can wind up having a lot more fun with. Um, and it's, it's definitely, uh, I think kind of taking the burden off of your shoulders for always having to do a lot of the prep and whatnot, and also kind of making me or Caleb pull our weight a little bit, you know? Well, the way I see it, like you, you have a passion for these movies. You, you want to talk about them on the podcast more than anybody. So you're going to do research. I would never even think about, which is awesome. So I think, yeah, definitely want to do more of these this way for sure. Well, I mean, when you have other people who really do all of the legwork, like Jennifer and Jason from Patty Jack Press, 
putting that zine together, it made my job that much easier. Um, I mean, I looked, I looked through um, some bits on Wikipedia and stuff like that, but what they put together was amazing. And I'm telling you guys, go check them out. Anybody that's listening to this, check them out. Their zines are awesome. Uh, they also do a Patreon and you can get like PDF versions of their stuff. So like, if you're not, if you're not cool and having physical media, like whatever, they've got you covered. They've got you covered. Yeah. No, no. I gave away my Kindle because it didn't feel like reading a real book. I'm, I'm all about the physical media. <laughs> it doesn't smell like I'm reading. I like turning a page. I like feeling the weight of it. I like looking down the, like at the bookmark and being like, Oh, I'm that, I'm that much done. It's, there's a whole art to it. <laughs> oh yeah. No, you are preaching to the choir, sir. <laughs> what do we have going on next week? On film so film? funny. You should ask. Um, so next week, Caleb and Connor are going spelunking as they take on Neil Marshall's The Descent. <laughs> oh, this is one of the scariest fucking movies I've ever seen. The Descent. I'm, I've been wanting to do this on the show for a long time, so I'm very excited Caleb chose this. Uh, can't wait. Next week's going to be terrifying. This, this movie's freaky before the monsters even show up. Just ah, so creepy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think this movie like really like rides its premise. And then just fucking kicks you down the stairs and you're just fucked. The like, oh man, like movies like this that like lead you in one direction and then take you by surprise and just completely turn into something else. I think Neil Marshall's really good at it. It's kind of what he did with Dog Soldiers. And yeah. Dog Soldiers is amazing. Amazing. That was a blind buy for me. I had never heard about it. I saw the box. I was like, Dogs. yeah, duh. And I was not disappointed. Like, I fucking love that movie so much. And absolutely, Neil Marshall is really good at that, that, that misdirection, that sleight of hand. You know, he's making you think you're watching one kind of movie. And then he's like, no, actually, these are weird fucking albino blind man creatures. And uh, yeah. It's a fucking wild ride for sure. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a fully loaded uh, horror week on Filmgasm. We've got um, Rosemary's Baby on Oscar Sunday this weekend. And then um, sneak preview, we're going to be covering Last Night in Soho, Antlers, and Paranormal Activity Next of Kin. So all horror, all the time. (laughs) It's going to be great. (laughs) I mean, as it should with, you know, how fast October has passed by crazy to me um but that does not mean that spooky season ends of course you know folks like me celebrate a year round i mean i i bought some fancy new um halloween decorations that i'm going to be putting up in the new apartment that caleb and i are moving into and they're never coming down so it's always going to be halloween in there as far as i'm concerned so oh yeah very nice uh oh, yeah. this was awesome yeah way to go uh taking the taking the big chair well done <laughs> well thank you I, I i i tried my best to do do you justice you are you are the you are the pillar of this podcast connor and you've set the bar very high so i'm just hoping just, just hoping i did a good job i appreciate that thank you <laughs> i do my best
Yeah, you do a damn good job. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. All right. Well, have a good week, everybody. Uh, remember to never turn your back on your heroes or they'll come back from the dead to steal your soul. With rock and roll. No wimps. No false metal. Thank <laughs> you.